my friends and welcome to a very special Kings of Anglia live podcast. We don't do these very often because we like these to feel like a bit of an event. And in terms of events, you can't get much bigger than an Ipswich Town Norwich Derby. The first one in almost five years. I shan't mention how long it's been since Ipswich Town last beat Norwich, of course. But with me, I'm Mark Heath, I'm your host as ever. With me, two of the four kings, Stuart Watson, Rossi. AJ's got a note from his mum. He can't be here this evening. But boys, I'll start with you, Stewie. How are you feeling, mate? Because we've worked on this sports desk for a bloody long time. You've covered it switch town since 2011. And you've never seen it switch town win this fixture. There's my iPhone going mental. We've never seen it switch town win this fixture, Stewie. How are you feeling? I would say I'm... 90% excitement, 10% nerves. That's probably where I'd put myself at the moment. Um, yeah, we're, we're having lots of debates. We're, we're going to be speaking to, to people involved with the Norwich side of things um, about how everyone's feeling with this one. And Ipswich are strong favourites for a reason going into this. If you if you think about it with your head, what is it, 21 points clear in the table, the way they're playing, everything you can convince yourself that it's going to be an Ipswich win, but there's that little little bit of nerves, little knot in the tummy that it, it still might not happen and just how uh, how unbearable they would be up the road if that were to continue. But um, no, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, of course, it's, uh, it's overriding feeling is excitement. It has to be. Yeah, and Rossi, you're so young, you probably can't remember the last time Ipswich Town win, won this game. How are you feeling going into this one on Saturday? Yeah, I was 12, boys. I was 12 years old when Town won a derby. Um, I was there, so at least I experienced it. So at least I've seen Town win in the flesh against Norwich. Uh, but I'm excited for it. You know, it's, it's been a long time coming. You know, we've been, you know, separate in two different divisions before. You know, when Norwich in the Premier League and we're in League One. Now we're both in the Championship. Um, and yeah, I, I think Town fans are excited as well because it's going to be a packed Portman Road. We've got a, a decent manager for once, a de- decent set of players for once as well. So, uh, yeah, bring it on. And, yeah, we've got a lot of great um, listeners and, and viewers right now who are excited for it as well. Yeah, bring it on indeed. Right then, friends, points of order. This is how it's going to work. You can leave your comments. Rossi's going to bring them in as we go along. And we'll have a section a little bit later on where we maybe take a few questions and whatnot. We've got two guests, one from across the divide who we'll meet in a minute, and another one I'm quite excited about because he's literally the voice of Ipswich Town. Uh, Glenn Wheeler, he'll be joining us later on. We're going to do the Norwich side of things first, though, boys. So shall we dive straight in to our first guest? Let me give him a build-up. His name is Samuel Seaman. He is the Norwich City writer for the Eastern Daily Press and the Pinkin and the Norwich Evening News. And he's joining us with a sense of trepidation, I think, this evening as we uh, as we get set to talk about this game. You can see all the comments there flashing us up. Um, so Rossi, shall we shall we get Sam in and have a have a good old chat? Let's do it. Sam, how are you? <laughs> I think trepidation was probably the perfect word to be honest. I'm, uh, I am quite excited uh, for the game. Just just generally, like looking forward to a derby. Obviously, it's the first time in a while, my first one covering one. So in that sense, just for the occasion, I'm looking forward to it. But. Um, I'm sure everyone connected with the fixture will understand why there's probably a little bit less excitement at the Norwich end of things than there is um, on the Ipswich side. feels like you've both got sort of 
uh, more to gain from the situation and also more to be positive about. So um, definitely more trepidation from me than there will be from from you three. But I'm looking forward to, to the occasion to an extent. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being brave and coming on. Um, Sam, you say it's the first first time you've covered this game. You were also one of these ones from the other side of the fence who's so young that you can't remember Norwich ever losing this game. Yeah, so I started watching Norwich sort of around Christmas 2009 when, um, if I could mention his name, Paul Lambert was in charge. Uh, Norwich were on the way up from League One and Ipswich were in the Championship. So literally the first two derbies I ever saw, it was a 4-1 win for Norwich and then a 5-1 win at, at Portman Road. Um, so it was a, a fairly cushy introduction as far as uh, as derbies go. And ever since then, yeah, like you say, I've I've not seen... Norwich lose to Ipswich. I don't really know what the feeling's like to be on the wrong side of a derby, which is why I'm a little bit fearful um, going into Saturday. But also, maybe I'm I'm a little bit bulletproof in terms of the mentality. It feels like Norwich just can't lose to Ipswich, but I do know that's that's probably on the line more than it ever has been. Um, sort of in my time watching football, and and that's probably the the scary element for me going to Portman Road. I mean this as respectfully as possible as a colleague. Uh, and a journalist, but I hope you do find out on Saturday what, what, what that feels like. <laughs> Sam, what can you tell us then? Obviously, let's kick off. Uh, mood in the camp, Norwich heading into this game, because from the outside looking in, it looked like Norwich are going to be pretty good this season. They started off well. Jonathan Rowe was banging in goals for fun. We know they've got uh, Gabriel Sara, who's a really, really good player. Uh, and then it felt like the wheels came off a little bit. Um, you lost to Leicester. There was that pumping at Plymouth. Yeah. Wagner's future looked in doubt and obviously had the Delia thing not too not too long ago, having to go at the fans, never a good look, very similar to things we've seen here at, at town in the past. But then recently, mate, there's been a bit of resurgence, hasn't there? What one one defeat in the last six, four wins out of the last six, win in midweek. Um, so what, what's the mood like going into this one? Yeah, I think it's it's probably not yet reached the levels that it was at the start of, of the season, like like you mentioned, um, especially when you haven't got any sort of negativity and it's a fresh start, the way that that, that was, it, it looked to Norwich fans like they were probably going to be in a bit of a promotion battle with Ipswich at the time. But the performances were matching the results at that time and they were deserving the wins and the impressive wins and the amount of goals they were scoring. They were deserving it, they were creating plenty of chances and they were exciting to watch, whereas now... It feels a bit more like they've been grinding it out in recent weeks. The fixtures have been slightly kind to them. Um, mm. There's not been really the entertainment. There's been some real difficult games to watch at Carra Road. So although the results have improved, and there is definitely more optimism than there was in that time just after Josh Sargent got injured and that Plymouth defeat that you mentioned and quite a while of losses and it felt like the win wasn't going to come. It has definitely improved from that time, but it's not really close to where it was at the start of the season for me. Although that Sheffield Wednesday game, although you have to probably take it into consideration that that was against um, sort of a, a, a really poor side in Sheffield Wednesday, mm. that was the best performance they've put in for a, a long while. So they'll be really pleased they've managed to hit that peak right before the derby. But I wouldn't say it's overwhelmingly positive. It's probably somewhere in the middle, um, which is, I think, what Norwich are as a team, to be honest. They're they're not really looking like they're in relegation trouble, not looking like they're going to threaten the, the playoffs. And I think fans at the moment are just coming to terms. It's it's probably going to be a sort of middling finish. 
Mm. Stewie, we've talked before about how there's been a lot of similarities between the language that our friends down the road are using at the Pink and, and, and language that we were using not too long ago, uh, sleepwalking into trouble, anger turning into apathy, um, pragmatic signings rather than exciting signings. Obviously, the similarity with the owners having a, a pop at the fans. Um, it, do, it does seem to you, doesn't it, that there's maybe something similar going on down the road at the moment. Feels like it, doesn't it? And I think football tends to go in cycles if you wait long enough. Um, your, turn, your time comes and we've certainly waited long enough from, from an Ipswich perspective. Um, it did feel sort of look, looking across the border to Norwich that certainly the national narrative was that I know they're a yo-yo club and, you know, why don't they ever give it a go in the Premier League? And it, it almost became sort of taken as read that they would keep going up and would there be a year where they could stay up? And I, I kind of thought, well, there might be a year where they, they don't go back up again. You can't, especially mm. the budget that Norwich work on, you're not going to find a Timu Puki every summer. You're not going to keep producing two or three homegrown talents every year. And um, when the parachute payments sort of eventually dry up, if they do, um, the way that the club is run, which I think is, you know, to be applauded, there's a sort of sustainable nature of, of Norwich. Um, a bit like Ipswich, when Marcus Evans' sort of money money ran out, then um, you end up in this sort of treading water state. And may, maybe that's where sort of the Norwich cycle is right now. I don't know. Yeah. So, so what has been going on at, at Norwich, um, Sam? Because, again, from, from a distance, we've seen someone come in, an investor come in. We've seen the whole drama around Stuart Webber. There's obviously been the, the kind of Delia narrative as well. It's, it's one of these things where it doesn't ever seem to be dull, at least. Yeah, I think Stu hit hit the nerve really with the uh, the sort of complacency situation, and that was the the way it was looked at externally in terms of mm. oh Norwich will just go back up. And I think actually, to a certain extent, they let that seep into the club a little bit. When you go back to last season, they got relegated and they had bounced. They'd obviously been promoted their last two seasons in the Championship, won the title in pretty dominating fashion twice, and then they went down. And I think there was a bit too much of an assumption that they would just bounce straight back up and that they would be fine. They'd lost Emi Buendia in that time. Tamu Puki had got two years older from the last time they were in the Championship and they had just finished with 22 points in the Premier League. But I think they almost let this perception that they were going to bounce back up seep into them a little bit. Then there was issues with sort of money. They spent a bit, they spent quite a lot to try and stay in the Premier League last time, obviously. Mm. failed miserably and by Norwich's own standards they now find themselves in quite a tricky financial situation so they couldn't really spend much in the summer and it's just all sort of flowed from that initial Premier League failure back in 2022 they've made it continually hard for themselves and I think complacency is is probably the word that sums up what's gone wrong behind the scenes the the good news for Norwich fans on that front is that the new sporting director Ben Knapp has just arrived it looked like it looks like before too long, sort of speaking in, in the long term, Mark Astanasio will will own the club. Um, mm. So that's a positive step if, you, if you're looking for a fresh start. So it looks like that complacency might, might come to an end sooner rather than later. But for me, that's what's got them into the situation that they, they find themselves in now. And there's just, there's probably too many problems to, to touch on within one sort of podcast appearance, um, to be honest. But it's, for me, as much off the pitch as it is on the pitch, it, it's not a quick fix and it, it probably requires the sort of rebuild that Stuart Webber um, first 
first created when he first came into the club and, and that does take some time. So I think Norwich fans are now just adjusting to the fact that they have to be a little bit a little bit patient um, and it's sort of how well they can survive and, and entertain fans on the pitch in the meantime. Mm, we've been there, haven't we, boys? Right then, on the pitch then, Sam, how do you think Norwich are going to approach this game on Saturday? Uh, and can you give us a little insight into players that we should maybe keep out, an eye out for? We know obviously about Rowe, we know about Sarah. Um, but anyone's, we should also be be keeping an eye on and, and be wary of going to this game. Yeah, I think in terms of how they'll set up Wagner, um, Wagner likes to sit in. I think he, he thinks that's where the strength is. Um, Shane Duffy is a player who has probably been getting increasingly um, unpopular with, with Norwich fans at the moment. But Wagner is sticking with him game in, game out. And of course, he's somebody who... It doesn't thrive on on battles when it comes to pace, um, shall we say? So, he Wagner likes to have games where they can sit in and and try and counter, but it's just whether weighing that up against Sipswich's goal scoring record this season, especially at home, it, it doesn't feel like sitting off and and begging and hoping that they won't create chances would be the best um, approach mm. for me. That still feels like that might be what what Wagner does. Um, but they do have some decent counter-attacking options, so they probably could score a couple of goals, even if they might concede three or four. You, you've obviously mentioned Rowe, who just travels with the ball really, really well. He's ideal in the in the counter-attack. And what's changed, I think, what's aided a little bit of, of very, very cautious optimism going into the weekend is that um, Borja Science made his, his first mm. start for the club on Wednesday, scored after seven minutes, an absolutely fantastic goal, and then set up Ashley Barnes for... Uh, Norwich's second goal as well and he's somebody that fans have been absolutely crying out for to, to get an opportunity he absolutely took that um, with both hands uh, on on Wednesday and in a game where probably Norwich will be under the cosh for a significant amount of it he's the sort of player that you think might actually spring into action and, and cause Ipswich a few problems on the counter so that's somebody who maybe Ipswich fans won't be especially aware of that I'd, I'd probably um, look out for Mm. But there's also sort of the the names that everyone will have heard. Gabriel Sara uh, is one of them. He's he's absolutely capable of of producing a magic moment that sometimes you need in a derby if you're sort of down on your luck, as Norwich are at the moment. Um, but other than that, probably not too many threats. People might look at the sort of names they've heard of, like Ashley Barnes, but he struggled to make too much of an impact. Actually, sort of technically and tactically, to be honest, he's more of your cliched experience um you know dress dressing room player and he hasn't really offered enough i don't think on the ball so mm. he's a player that maybe ipswich fans are, are looking out for that maybe they shouldn't be so concerned about but there are definitely a couple that, that could hurt them in an attacking sense what was that last comment ross you flashed up do you think it's worth putting to to sam before we move on i liked it chris chris walkett sam do you think we could turn sam he looks like the kind <laughs> of looks like the kind of lad that deserved to support a decent team what are you saying sam I'm completely impartial these days, so I can't return to anyone's favour. Fair enough. Before we get on to the obvious question I'm going to ask you, uh, Sam, and another one there from our old mate Bono saying, respect to Sam for coming on and speaking so well. Good lad, respect. Um, I'm going to ask you about Liam Gibbs, Sam, because there is a Suffolk boy in the Norwich side, in the Norwich squad at least, from just down the road in Bury. H- how's he been getting on? I saw there was there was something from the Pink and last night with a chant inviting people who hated Ipswich to clap. <laughs> and Liam Gibbs took part. 
Yeah, I I think for him that's sort of. I mean, I understand it because obviously I am a football fan, and mm. you look at it and you get sort of incensed by that sort of thing. But it's an easy win for him, really, to get the Norwich fans on side. When at the end of the day, this is the club that he's playing for now. I think his his whole family actually supports Ipswich, and he supported Ipswich growing up. So I'm sure hate is a bit of a strong word, and he probably doesn't actually actually hate Ipswich. But um, there is. I think Ipswich fans have, have taken a little bit of delight in how he's he's struggled and Norwich fans probably agree with them to a certain extent. I don't think there are too many um, too many fans that believe he's a world beater or should be starting for Norwich. He is just a sort of stick to beat the Ipswich fans with um, with, with the, the fixture coming up. I don't think he's a bad footballer. He's obviously 20 and he's still got a lot of time to improve. But for me, he's a a bit I was trying to think of another phrase but sort of meat and potatoes he doesn't have a lot of flair about him he doesn't really feel like he's going to produce any any magic moments but he's a very David Wagner footballer in terms of energy running he works incredibly hard and he is he is quite reliable has a decent turn of pace but he's not really threatened the the starting 11 when they're at their strongest at any point since joining the club um really I think if you looked at him now as somebody who could progress, he would look like a really exciting sort of starlet. But the way that he plays football, I don't see him really taking it another level. I think he could be a decent championship player throughout his his career, but he's not somebody that that's going to become a, a star player at Norwich, in my opinion. And I think that's that's sort of the consensus of the fan base on him, to be honest. Okay, we saw a couple of comments flashed up there as well, just reflective maybe of the view and the reception that Liam Gibbs might get at Portman Road on, on Saturday. Um, boys, before I ask Sam the big question and we can let him get on with his evening, have you got any any other questions for, for Sam? I'm being a polite young man as I normally am. Here. Yeah. Um, I've just been nodding away, you know, hearing stuff. I've got this such question from Alex here, not, not AJ. There you go. There you go, Alex. Away. That is my question. Um, obviously, the the big talking point is uh, Brandon Williams as well. Another former uh, Norwich player, of course, Loney, um, obviously ended not very good with him in Norwich. Um, obviously, he's he's always up for any game, but this one, I'm sure he's going to be up for it. What's the, the Norwich view on Brandon Williams? He divides opinion quite a lot, not not just because of the sort of off pitch antics and the way that his exit sort of played out he just I think represents two different ideals quite a lot especially at Premier League level in the championship his technical ability is actually excellent when you compare him to a lot of the the players at this level but in the Premier League he was starting ahead of Dimi Yanoulis who definitely has his pitfalls but is one of the most technically strong players in that Norwich squad so he was sort of him versus Williams was sort of played off as a physicality and and athleticism and fight versus te- technical ability you know possession based football and the ones that that wanted to see a bit more fight that wanted to see a bit more aggression wanted Brandon Williams to start and the ones that wanted to see a bit more technical entertaining football as they were used to under Daniel Farker probably wanted to see Yanulis in the team so i think he divided opinion really quite a lot. You either sort of loved him or hated him if you were a Norwich fan at the time. I will say, having watched him for Ipswich a couple of times, I like him a lot more on the right-hand side. I don't really see who's led anyone to make a decision 
to play him on the left-hand side, but that was where he spent a lot of the start of his career. I think he looks a lot more natural um, on the right. And at championship level, he's actually a, a really astute signing from Ipswich, I think, and, and a very good player. But yeah, he's definitely somebody who, who I think will thrive in a, a derby atmosphere and somebody who likes a, a little bite because there were a couple of those with the Norwich fans when he was a Norwich player. And, you know, I'm sure we're all aware there've been a, there's been a couple since he became an Ipswich player as well. So, um, yeah, definitely an interesting player and, and one that divided opinion at Norwich. Talk, talking of bites on social media, Sam, um, who do you think will start on that left side? You mentioned Science doing so well in, in midweek, but it's usually on, on El Hernandez. Uh, on the left-hand side, and he's had a few things to say about Ipswich over the years on on social media. Um, he will be directly up against either Brandon Williams, who we've just mentioned, or Harry Clark, who's a, an Ipswich lad, uh, equally fiery on his day. So I'm interested to know who you think will start on that left for for Norwich. Yeah, I did wonder where it was going when you mentioned social media, and then as soon as you said Ono Hernandez, it all became. <laughs> clear is he's I think he's actually deleted his TikTok in like the last couple of weeks so I don't know if that was timed for these purposes but I'd say well he's he's sort of a Wagner favorite is the thing that throws it into doubt I don't think he's he hasn't scored at Carrow Road for something like four years he's done a little bit better on the road but he hasn't really produced the sort of numbers he's he's not really produced on the pitch enough to to warrant maybe some of his his online antics um to be honest but he is a, a Wagner favourite. He's probably a bit stronger defensively than, than Science is and he fits the profile in that sense. But if your winger scores and assists in a 3-1 win three days before a derby, I think it would be incredibly harsh to um, to drop Science. But then Wagner just throws some unbelievable curveballs with the team selection at times. So I wouldn't rule out Hernandez starting he'll almost certainly um come off the bench so he'll he'll probably feature and, and get a little bit of stick i think a little bit might be kind but definitely get some stick off the the ipswich fans um but i would say if i had to put my money on one of them at the moment i'd say say science and that's probably where a lot of the, the hope is coming from for norwich fans going into it okay speaking of hope then sam should we do the big question now i listened to the, the pink and podcast earlier which i must say friends if you're looking for a kind of balanced sensible discussion from a norwich point of view around the game very much worth listening to you also get to hear about 15 minutes of me grinning my way through how great ipswich town are um and there was, there was a lot of chat on there it got quite optimistic towards the end sam um you were talking yourself into a bit of a frenzy um town township a lot of goals at home Norwich, Norwich score a lot of goals away. There's going to be gaps. There's going to be opportunities. Um, so what, what are you saying? What's your prediction heading into this game? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be positive. It does feel quite weird. Um, a situation where being whipped into a frenzy is, is going for a draw against Ipswich Tower. <laughs> yeah. From a Norwich City perspective, that does, if you had put that to a Norwich fan two or three years ago, I think they would have been very surprised. But uh, yeah, I, I think... The only way you can really go into a derby is is to try and be um, positive. I'm, you know, you you guys experienced a little bit before we came on camera that I'm sort of up and down a little bit with with how I'm feeling at the moment. But um, yeah, while I'm here, I may as well be positive and and say to all. Paddy said that on our on our podcast. I sort of wanted it really, but I didn't want to go for the same um, prediction and copy him. So now, when I get the chance to to predict as I want, it feels like the best way for Norwich to get a result out of it is for it to be a bit of a crazy game. So two all mm. seems like the most likely way to, to keep the sort of 15 year record intact. 
And that, as as Connor was saying, is basically kind of a moral victory. You retain the ashes if you come yeah. over the draw, sort of thing. One more question, then: If it is, as perhaps the the, the stats suggest, uh, an impressive win for Town, what does that mean for Wagner? Is there any chance that they lose heavily and he's 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 out the door? I would be surprised. I mean, they lost four in a row, and he mm. managed to to keep his job. There was the strange sort of handover period between Stuart Webber and Ben Napper when. No big decisions could really be made, which you know I think you can you can make your own minds up as to the sensibility of that. But um, yeah, it just feels like if he got all the time through there, that he'll probably manage to to survive this one. Maybe when you get the other side of Christmas and all the the hectic ske- schedule and the number of games coming up, then there's an opportunity for his position really to be assessed in the long term. But I'd say just from the messaging from the club and the amount of support that there is for him internally at the moment it would feel strange if if this result um triggered that that sort of getting rid of him but uh i think a lot of norwich fans <laughs> would probably see that as the upside of losing the game some of them right. are, given the, the mood there is towards him still some of them i've spoken to have actually said that it, they might need to lose to Ipswich to make some some people sort of wake up so that would definitely be an interesting thread to follow but just just based on my feeling at the moment, I don't think it would it would spell the end for Wagner. Okay. Anything else for, for Sam Boys before we send him on his way? Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for joining us, mate. Um, I appreciate it. it's probably been a little bit of a, a bit of a challenge coming on a, a somewhat uh, upbeat, shall we say, Switch Town podcast ahead of the That's game. That's right. I think it's it's made your viewers a bit kinder to me, so I don't really mind. <laughs> We see there David W saying, thank you, Sam. Good to hear your views. Good balanced analysis. Sam, thanks for your time, mate. Um, we'll see you at Portman Road on Saturday. And I, I genuinely mean this. May the best team win. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see yeah. We'll see what happens. Thank you, Sam. Yep. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Sam. Cheers. Take care. There we go then, boys. That was good, wasn't it? A nice balanced view from the Norwich side. They are. There is definitely a kind of groundswell of little optimism, I've noticed from listening to the Pink and podcast and maybe seeing some tweets that the uh, they, they they think, why not? Why can we not go to, to Portman Road and all the pressures on town and that kind of stuff? Ross, thank you very much. Yeah, that's the, that's the DeLorean there, mate. If you can see, I think I've shown this before, but the flux capacitor fluxes as well. I am so cool. Um, friends, shall we have another guest in? Hi, Mark. Evening all. The next guy we've got on, next special guest, and I don't get to say this very often, is the voice of something, the voice of Ipswich Town, Glenn Wheeler. Good evening, sir. How are you? Hello, gents. How are we all? Hello, everyone. All good? Good evening. Thanks very, thanks very much, Glenn, for, for waiting in the virtual green room. And thanks That's also cool. for putting all your Christmas decorations and a George Hirsch shirt up behind you. Well, absolutely. You've got to come onto these things prepared, haven't you? So Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure... Pretty much all of you do watching this. Glenn is the the voice of Richard Town. He's he's the commentator for Town TV. You hear his voice across the world when you're when you're watching Ipswich Town, which is um quite the thing. And I've got quite a lot of questions to ask you, Glenn, uh, around this because I find this fascinating. But first of all, I guess tell us tell us a little bit about you and how you've come to sit in that seat and commentate on these games. Yeah, it's all been a bit surreal, really. Um, I think you know, set off in sport, started in sport, wanted to be a professional sportsman in the realm of cricket. And then that wasn't ever going to kind of materialise. So the next best thing was, okay, let's cover sport, you know, much like you guys do. 
Um, and then at sixth form, secondary school, sixth form university, moved towards that kind of broadcast media element. Um, started doing some bits at university, you know, doing commentary for portfolio, etc. And it just dropped out of it. You know, as kind of university finished, it was a case of actually I've got to get a real job now um, and then go from there. Mm. Um, and then COVID hit and the world turned upside down and there was an opportunity to do some stuff commentary from home ultimately that I, I got into um, and then it was the strangest thing I can remember it. I was um, in Tallinn in Estonia for uh, a work event um, for my actual day job and next thing I know I've got a, a message on my on my Twitter and on my LinkedIn um, asking what my plans were for, for next season so that was March 2022 and fast forward um, almost two years later here we are um, getting to, you know, enjoy what is an incredible privilege commentating on the most marvellous Ipswich Town team. Yeah. And as, and as times go, Glenn, to join uh, and start commentating on games, your first season was last season. Couldn't have been much better, could it? Yeah, it was um, it was pretty special, wasn't it? I think the thing is, the first the first instance I got of, of kind of watching town under this new ownership was Paul Mariner Day. Um, yeah. Back at the end of, was it the 21-22 season? Obviously, uh, the club had been in touch and inquired about what I was planning to do for next season. I told them nothing. And I thought, well, let me get down to Portman Road because it had been a while um, and, you know, see what this club's all about. And I'm just down the road in, in Colchester. So I knew kind of the story of Ipswich Town and those kind of um, doldrum years of, you know, those struggle struggling years. Um, and attended Paul Mar on the day and it was just electric. You know, I remember going to the going to Portman Road and thinking there is a real there is something building here. There was a, a tangible kind of feeling of there is a club on the rise. There is, you know, a club awakening from its slumber almost. Mm. Um and then, you know, the, the journey since has been quite incredible. And you know, it, it's not just obviously the the fan, uh, it's not just the the players and the the club staff that obviously um, are extremely talented, but you've got an extremely talented group of people working behind the scenes. Um, certainly, the the media staff that I get to work with on a, a weekly basis, uh, you know, very talented, very hungry, um, very very good at their jobs. Um, but also the fan base; it's been so so welcoming, and it's been such a it's had such a community feel about the club. And I think that is you know a message that the club puts out through not just obviously you know people flooding to portman road on the match day but you've got the, the fantastic work that the foundation does as well it just feels like a community family club um and the welcome since has been has been great mm. you mentioned that the great media team andy warren's a bit dodgy though isn't he a bit of a shambles <laughs> yeah it's been it's been great having andy andy with us you know obviously i became aware of andy working with you guys last yeah. season kind of watching watching the podcast and swatting up on all things Ipswich during my prep, but to have Andy join the club, you know, it's great to work with him. Superb. Well, obviously, get your get your questions in for Glenn. There's one here actually. Mark Jubb says, "Has Glenn been practicing the wait is over, bragging rights belong back in Ipswich yeah. for the end of the match?" Now, this 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 actually comes into a question I was going to ask you anyway, and we're jumping yeah. ahead, but we might as well ask it now. Do you have Glenn when you go into a game? Do you have little lines? stored in your head that you think god if this happens that'll be an absolutely cracking line if i can remember it or write it down yeah. or whatever. so i never i never really script anything other than kind mm. of the introduction to each game you know players walk out the tunnel the introduction is scripted and, and that really is the only part that i will kind of jot down on paper 
Mm. Um, there were a few, you know, there are a few lines in, in your head and you're, you're kind of playing off things like the English language, really. You're thinking of alliteration and you're thinking of stuff that might have a nice rhythm um, that might fit in nicely. But, yeah. you know, you, you, can never, you can never plan ahead. Like, obviously, I'll take um, Tuesday night as an example. Sam Morsey obviously scores that goal, which, you know, as the statisticians know, that's the 100th league goal that Ipswich have scored in 2023. Hmm. But you can't just drop that statistic in. You're you're so guided by the actual moment and what you're witnessing and what you're feeling that you can't really script the actual moment, if that makes sense. You have you, you can have the ideas and you know, don't get me wrong, there have been a few that I've I've had and have used. Yeah. But they have you have to kind of it's a combination of factors. It has to feel right, it has to fit. Um otherwise it all just ends up sounding a bit ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, just flash that last question up, Rossi, because that was a good one from um, from Rob, was it? Um, Rob Hughes says, must be incredible to have your voice forever associated with some marquee moments for town in the past 18 months. Are there any that kind of stand out so far? I mean, there's been um, a lot of a lot of good goals and a lot of a lot of big wins. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it, it's been a bit of a blur, really. And this is what happens. I'm sure you can appreciate you guys can appreciate working in football. Um the weekends and the match days pass through so quickly um, that, you know, a game that happens two months ago, three months ago, all of a sudden you can absolutely sometimes forget what goes on. Yeah. And I think that's, that's especially, you know, I, I find it in, in my role as well, kind of being so focused on the actual moment in a game, you know, sometimes I can go through a game and forget what happened five minutes into the game because you're so focused on that moment and having to describe at that moment, Mm. that you, you don't necessarily see the bigger picture of the game during during the match. Um, but in terms of in terms of moments, look, that that Bar Barnsley away game at the back end of last season was just incredible. Um, you know, I think that the whole Ipswich performance from not just the players out on the pitch, but from that packed out away in the 5,000, that was a very, very special evening. Um, and, you know, I know that uh, the Hurst goal has done the rounds a little bit. Uh, I know people, yeah, enjoy my voice breaking in that clip. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, Exeter, back yeah. end of April, what a special day that was. I mean, that all, I don't think anyone who was at Portman Road that day will ever forget that. You know, whether it be the the um, the bus welcome or, or just 90 minutes that just passed like a whirlwind. Yeah. Um, but even, you know, going back, I think that whole period probably last year of March to April where you had the big away wins at Bolton, Derby, Peterborough, Barnsley. You know, that was a real, you know, brilliant few months, actually, because I think there were a heck of a lot of nerves going into those months, looking at those tricky away days and thinking this is probably where, you know, Ipswich's season is going to be decided. You know, will it be automatics? Will it be... Will it be the playoffs? Uh, and mm. the way that the team just churned out result after result during that period was, you know, that was, I think, when you were kind of sitting there realising that you were watching a, a very, very special team. Mm. Mm. Um, I'll just ask you one more question because I saw it flash up from Callie there, mm. which was, um, and a good evening, Callie, good question, which is, have you got a, a favourite game to commentate on um, so far? And then, I'll, boys, I'm going to let you ask a few questions because I'm talking Favourite game to commentate on? Um I think it was probably the Exeter game. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is the first game 
where there were genuine butterflies in the stomach at the start of that one. You know, it was the, it was the only game last season where I was kind of sat there in, in the commentary position alongside Westy going, OK, this, this feels a bit different. Um, and trying to calm those nerves ahead of Saturday because I think Saturday might have a, a similar feel um, in terms of from that professional perspective. But that Exeter, that whole day, you know, it was great because I managed to get my dad along as well. Um, so we'd enjoyed the kind of morning together and, and brought him to Portman Road. Um, and yeah, to, to, to kind of have those nerves, but then to watch that performance. And Ipswich blew Exeter away. And I don't mm. think anyone going to the ground that day expected that. I think we were all kind of going to the game. We've all been, we all, you know, we're all football fans. We all know that football very rarely follows the script. But I don't think that Exeter game, you could have written a script like that. You know, mm. it was it was one of them, and that was that was very very special indeed. Mm. Boys, you got any questions for Glenn? And we're live, Stuart Watson, and he's muted. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> I'll try again. Sorry. <laughs> My question is inspired by the man below me, Roscoe, who uh, famously struggles question. with player pronunciations. <laughs> mm. um, Glenn, have you have any player names flummoxed you at all so far? How much do you do you have to practice them in the mirror? Some particularly tricky yeah. foreign names. Oh, um, yeah, there's some difficult ones. There's a lot of scratching around YouTube and, and the web sometimes trying to find just a clip of someone uh, having a name pronounced by a, another another commentator or something like that. Or you know, sometimes when a, a club announces a new signing with a particularly tricky name, they'll even give you a, a real helping hand in terms of this is how you pronounce our new signing's name um yeah there aren't too many um obviously the the whole sony shawnee aluko debate last yeah. season was fun um i did get the chance to to sit down with you know i did a game i think with with shawnee um, last season I did get the chance to ask him he said shawnee's fine so i think it, it it's it's consistency is is the key mm. what you can't do is kind of change halfway through a game what's going on i mean we've had this we we're actually talking about this um this week talking about Axel Tuanzebe. Um, you know, everyone, a lot of people, Tuanzebe is is what people have referred to him as. Yeah. But one of the guys in the media department at Ipswich dug out one of his announcement signings for when he was at Aston Villa. And it sounds very much like a Tuanzebe. So that's what I'm going to be sticking with from now on. I think I'm right in saying, actually, the, the official BBC guidance on that is if you're unsure as to how to say someone's name, just say it with a lot of confidence, kind yeah. of bluster your way through it, and then people just assume it's right. Yeah. Um, any other questions for Glenn Boys? I've got a couple more, but uh, let you get in as well. Yeah, mine's been stolen by Stu, really, because yeah. obviously a lot of people know I can't pronounce anything, even English, you know, names I struggle with sometimes. Um, but Glenn, uh, I want to quickly just your preparation, mate, because, yeah. um, yeah. you know, I love, I just love seeing so many different commentators. You know, you've got your felt, felt tip pens, you know, making sure notes like how. How much time do you, you know, prepare to all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, along uh, it takes a lot. Like I said, I've got a kind of day job, you know, a half eight till five day job. Um, and then it is, you know, I'll get in from that and I'll take a bit of time to myself. But it's, it's not unusual for me to be kind of be working gone 10. It's just the rhythm that I get into, you know. And I think the great thing is that you don't, and see this as a job at any point you know it kind of settled down you get into a zone and you're just learning about football you're taking in everything knowledge about football which is a game that we we all love right we're all passionate about so 
it does yeah i mean i, I have a, a pretty much a template for every set of note, notes that i do um and it's very much a, a front page with kind of key events that might happen little ref scribbles on there then i'll have the kind of page where i do script script that introductory piece when the when the players walk out the tunnel followed by kind of a head-to-head -head record in terms of key games that have maybe happened or you know what a certain run against a certain team um looks like um and then one of the best things that i kind of learned about early on in kind of my commentary career um was was the use of labels i mean they're absolute absolute joy so for ipswich start of the season i've got kind of a prepared set which i print for every match day and then we'll just add kind of relevant stats for each player um as the season goes so as the season progresses the most time consuming part is getting down the other squads it would have been yeah. a lot easier had Ipswich stayed in maybe League One because um, I would have had notes from last season that I could have gone back to. But this so far this season, um, it's been getting used to a whole new set of um, whole new set of um, squads and, and players. Um, but I am looking forward to, to kind of second half of the season where I can regurgitate kind of all those um, previous labels, copy them down, and that'll take a, a lot less time. So, yeah, that that's the the main kind of time-consuming piece, and then it's just a couple of pages on on form recent form for both sides and, and what you know seasons look like in recent years so yeah that's that's pretty much the gist of it for each game <laughs> i was going to ask you glenn how surreal has it been seeing your commentary feature on the ed sheeran documentary mm. on disney plus i think uh yeah that must have been a, a surreal moment for you yeah it's a it's um it's unusual isn't it and i, I think that just kind of comes into the whole place of where the club's at now you know the club is in an unbelievable position obviously ed's a, a fantastic supporter um but the whole journey is the whole journey that the club is on is, is just terrific you know from from where it's come from in recent years under the new ownership to, to progress to this place where you know everyone just wants to be at portman road every week you know you will go look at the recent international breaks we've had you know we're going maybe three weeks without being at portman road and everyone's mm. genuinely missing being back in that corner of Suffolk but yeah I mean it's ultimately you know you don't do kind of the commentary to to be famous I think you know some of the um commentators I've spoken to if you're doing it for that reason you're in the wrong job you know ultimately the reason I do what I do is because I love watching football and I actually enjoy the art of commentating and describing the action um and bringing it to kind of people who aren't fortunate enough to to actually be at the ground where the, the game is being played. So, yeah, it's a bit surreal, but like I say, it's not something really I, I actually focus too much on. That's a really good question from AD just flashed up. Which commentator did you like or commentators, I guess, when you were growing mm. up? Really influence on, on you, Glenn, that uh, you were a fan of? There's, there's still a couple now. So, obviously, it's not just a case of growing up, but there's still a couple now that you kind of look at and you just think they're, they're elite. They're probably right up there with the best of the business um and there's there's probably about five either kind of influences from the past or yeah. current commentators now that i look at so a couple of them are actually from kind of that cricketing realm that i kind of spoke about earlier so i've got mark nicholas who you know was kind of the voice of that 2005 ashes series mm. um and jonathan agnew on test match special um but in terms of football barry davis absolutely you know a wordsmith mm. and just had a, a real gravitas in his voice that was was elite i would say um and then at the moment you know peter drury and darren fletcher 
you know, I really like the way that Darren Fletcher commentates on a game. It's so relaxed and so casual that he absolutely gets the key information across. So they're probably the ones at the moment that, you know, have either been influenced by or really look up to at the moment. A mm, couple more from me then. Um, mm -hmm. Glenn, in life, we always, you have conversations, don't you? And then you come away from, you go, oh, I wish I'd said that. Do you mm. have that in, in commentary? Do you look back and go, oh, I wish I'd said that when that happened? Um, no, not really. I, I, like I said, I think such a part of commentary is, is being in the moment. Yeah. That you can't really reflect on that. You know, once the moment's gone, the moment's gone and you can't change it. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't say I look back on, on kind of any moments recently and have gone, oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd got that in. Yeah. Okay. And then take me into the into the uh, in the commentary box then on on, on saturday mm -hmm. you spoke earlier about nerves and this is going to be a massive game the atmosphere is going to be incredible there's obviously a lot of emotion involved will you have to kind of consciously try and calm yourself down and not let yourself because you want to give yourself somewhere to go don't you with with commentary you can't start out too excited no i mean i i think you know, my attitude is just going to be to treat it like any other game you know, I think that's what the players will be doing. I think that's what the coaching staff will be doing. Obviously, yeah. you know, the fans are looking forward to this one. But, you know, I think if, if you get too excited by it, that's when kind of mistakes could potentially creep in. So I'm just going to carry on my, my normal routine. I've actually got my work, um, my work Christmas due tomorrow night. And uh, there will be, you know, that will be a, a dry one um, because obviously it's such a, it's such a, it's such a massive, massive affair Saturday. And yeah. I kind of want to give myself the, the best opportunity to, deliver the best that I can but you know Saturday morning will be the routine I'll probably do more preparation Saturday morning I'll be up early I'll grab a coffee um I'll yeah um look at train times and then catch the train to Ipswich probably you know a big part of it will be soaking up the atmosphere kind of milling around Portman Road and getting that feeling so you can obviously convey that atmosphere back to those that are joining us um from home or wherever um but then it'll be kind of chatting down sitting down with westy um catching up and and just going from there scripting those last little little pieces um, mm. but very much treating it like any other game really mm. any more from you boys before i ask the, glenn the big question which i'm not even sure i'm allowed to ask him but i'm gonna ask him anyway no go on time for the big question <laughs> well the big question obviously glenn you watch a lot of it which town football you watch yeah. a lot of football this is a huge game on saturday you're going to be calling for people all around the world but what do you think is going to happen what do you think the score is going to be? Oh, that's a really difficult question, given it's a derby, Mark. Um, yeah, I think, I think honestly, derbies are impossible to predict. Uh, I know that's maybe sitting on the fence a little bit, but you only have to look. You know, a great example, for example, and if you want parallels, you know, look at Tottenham v Chelsea earlier in the season. You know, Tottenham flying under Postecoglou. Everyone had them as favourites going into that game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Chelsea. Mm stuttering, struggling under Pochettino. Um, lo and behold, Tottenham had two players sent off and end up Chelsea running away as 4-1 winners. And then you've had high lines on the halfway line and all sorts. It was a mental game of football. And I think that's what derbies can be. I mean, form does go out of the window. If, if I'm thinking with my head and it's like any other game, I'm probably looking at this and looking at Ipswich's form, the amount mm. of goals they score at home. And I'm probably you know, one or two goals in it, maybe a, a 2-1 or a 3-1. Ipswich like to score three at home. Um, but given the fact that it is a derby and both sets of players will, will certainly be up for it, it, it really could go any which way. 
but obviously from from kind of with my Ipswich hat on, you know, I hope Town win. Yeah, I hope personally that you get to use the line demolition derby at some point, Glenn, and that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, thanks so much for joining us, Glenn. Boys, anything else for Glenn before he, he sets off on his little sherry with his with Christmas tree behind him? No, just good good luck, Glenn. I hope it all goes uh, as well as you hope it do, and uh, look forward to seeing you as always. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. Luck, yeah, see you. Uh, see you Saturday. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on, and I'll uh, see you soon. Excellent. Thanks, mate. Take care. There we go, then, boys. Two good guests. We're already fifty minutes into the show. What do you make of that, boys? Um, commentating is 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 quite the skill, and, and the prep involved is a lot, um, and being able to pitch at the right point at the right time, um, something that takes quite a lot of of skill and ability. Yeah, it's an art form, isn't it? You've got to think about how often you tell the listeners what the score is. It's infuriating when you listen to the radio and you don't get a time check in the game or you tell me what the score is if you've just tuned in halfway through on in the car or whatever. Um, getting that rhythm with your co-commentator, knowing sometimes when to talk and when not to talk. It's yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's a real art form and um, I admire those guys that do it. Brenna Woolley is a good friend of mine. Um, give him a mention as well for for BBC Suffolk. Um, those those guys are very good at what they do. Ever fancy it, Ross? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll struggle, boys. To be fair, definitely with the, some of the names. Definitely Watford's team on Tuesday. I think they actually gave us sheets to help to pronounce things, and AJ actually went through it with me. And I was still struggling with that, even it tells you, you know, in brackets and the the breaking up of the name. And I struggled. So, um, and speaking of AJ, we've got a question actually. Mm. Um, where's AJ? <laughs> uh well as i say he's, he had a note from his mum to say that he, he couldn't come tonight I, I think he may be at football i don't entirely i'm not entirely sure i know he's got something he has to do with his girlfriend um so make of that what you will i know she is a a big football fan fan of the old amers they were playing tonight um so i suspect he may be he may be watching west ham but i don't actually know uh, but i believe that is where he is tonight yeah there we go then um boys Shall we move on? Shall we um, have something of a, a little quiz, Rossi? Ooh. Yeah, we can do. Um, let me just get something that um, needs to be worn before, uh, for this. So um, I'm bringing out the old jacket because uh, why not? So um, get, get your pens and paper at the ready, please, boys. <sighs> Anyone get involved in the comments as always. Four questions plus a tiebreaker. The strike does make its return. And um, yeah. Four questions about the Norwich and Ipswich derby, obviously. Um, so test your knowledge, boys. Um, as I said, play at home, everybody. Play at home. Have we got any music, Ross? Um, we can find some music. Shall we actually? Should we play the theme tune? Like the the theme, theme tune, absolutely. Play the Let's theme tune. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Strike! Brought to you by the greatest quiz show host on planet Earth, producer Ross! Are we able to play that still? Randy, you know, he's now gone. I mean, I think. This is the extended version. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, going to go on for a minute. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where we stand with the royalties and indeed the contract. Um, but I guess it's because he did it when he was here. It's still our intellectual property. So 
that's what I'm saying. Um, Rossi, but you've, you've got some questions for us. I do. Let's let's jump right into it then. Uh, question one is, mm. what is the most common scoreline in the derby? Is it 1-0, 2-0 or 2-1? What do you reckon then, boys? Let me get my uh, my answers up so I know, <laughs> know the answer, so I can give a point to everyone. Everyone get in the comments. Is this to both sides? So are we talking yeah, just, just both sides. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna admit it. I couldn't be asked to go through every every you know result. If you know it's which one two nil blah blah two one blah blah. But I know all the results. So um, there's also a little fun fact. There's only been ever six goalless draws in the derby. That so, is. Um, hopefully that uh, doesn't happen because that'd be boring. Wouldn't it? You don't want to see a boring goalless draw in the derby. You want goals. You want goals. Okay, what do you reckon then, boys? 1-0, 2-0 or 2-1? I'm just Ooh. guessing, really. I've gone... Can you see mine? Where is mine? Yeah, I think you said 2-1 with squiggle line. 2-1, yeah, that's it. Stu's gone 2-0. I'm happy you've both done different answers. We've got a few other course comments. A lot of people have gone 2-1 as well. So um, let's do the answer. The correct answer is 2-1. Yes, get it. Come on. It's the point. So there we go. 1-0 to the Heath Moister. General, question two is on John Walk. He is the leading goal scorer in the derby. How many competitive goals has he scored against Norwich in 20 games he's played? Um, I think he scored a few times in like testimonials and maybe friendlies, but this is like 20 competitive games. How many goals do you reckon? Uh, let me have a little look at the comments. Mm. No. I should know this. Yeah. Uh, yeah let, let, keep the scores, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, comments, because um, I will probably forget. But I shouldn't forget. It's because one nil was to just do. People are going six. Oh, you've eight. already forgotten because it's one nil to me. But there we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, 20 games. What do you reckon? It, oh, little fun fact as well. He scored on his uh, East Anglian derby. So, um, not, not debut. Too shy, John. Yeah, debut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Debut. Yeah. Uh, what do you reckon, boys? I've gone for seven. Seven. I've gone high. I thought he'd been quite prolific. I've gone 14. 14. And I forgot to mention, obviously, if you get it bang on, you get double the points. No one's got a bang on, though. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. Uh, the correct answer is nine. So, oh, Stu is the closest crazy. with the point. So, there we go. 1-1 one, one going into question three. Question three is more of a modern question. And it's the last time the derby was played at Portman Road. And um, it's about Guion Edwards' goal. Of course, formerly my boy, back in the day, of course, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. How many boys, boys have you had, Ross? Because there's quite a lot. A lot of boys, a lot of boys. Um, anyway, move on from that. Uh, question three, though, is on Guion Edwards. Uh, who set him up for his goal in the 1-1 draw against Norwich oh, Portman Road in 2018? Was it John Nolan, John Walters or Jonas Knudsen? Uh, I've wiped the I've wiped these games from my mind. Um, I had to watch. Oh, I had to watch the game back to remember because um, obviously I don't really want to watch back the last decade or so Norwich which games because for obvious reasons. A lot of good comments. People gone Walt was Nolan. That's when John Walters went off injured, didn't he? he I can't remember how early that game. was. Final ever game for the club. Popped his Achilles, didn't yeah, he? But his career. Um, he retired after that game. I've got my answer. Okay. I'm going to go with John Nolan. Oh, John Nolan. I've gone for 
You can't see it because of the light. I've gone for Nudson because Nudson. I just don't. I, mainly because his his name seems to stick out a little bit in there. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, because Nudson has scored, you know, a few times in a derby. Now, this is interesting. You're both wrong. It's John oh. Walters who um Nudson had to basically over the top, and John Walters not nodded it down, and Grim Edwards finished well. So there we go. Interesting. Going into the final question. And it's on the Canary Crusher himself, Danny Haynes. And it's about squad numbers. Now, this is Hutchie's ball game. I think AJ likes squad numbers as well, actually. I know you two don't really care. So um, no. it'll be interesting. I know there's a few people in, you know, watching that they love their squad numbers. And um, yeah, Danny Haynes uh, had two different squad numbers during his time at the club. Which were they? Was it 14, 25, 16 or 21 or 18 29 so um, or 25 16 or 21 18 or 29 so yeah he, um, when he when he broke through he had the, the first number first obviously and then the next season he then got a different number uh, of course he scored four goals in the derby Danny Haynes um, obviously some iconic ones so there how, we go. just out of interest Rossi how are people doing in the comments are people largely getting these right are we yeah most floundering? people are doing pretty well yeah don't look at the comments boys but they are they've basically they're, everyone's got it right so far I think yeah everyone's okay. got it right so don't look at don't look at the comments boys I think oh, I can right. remember one of the numbers he wore so well I, I can't so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it okay so this is I've the gone 14 and 25 18 I'm wearing 18. Pretty sure I can remember 18. Someone is correct. And it is, of course, Stuart Watson. So Stu has won. But as always, <laughs> as always, Stu, are you going to gamble? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> yeah, well, it's point, no spoilers. Uh, so that's it then for the strike. But no, we are going to do a tiebreaker because we have to. We have to. Because um, people in the comments, Stu, people in the comments are screaming at us. Tiebreaker, tiebreaker. And we're going to do it because it's about Town winning against Norwich, which has not happened for a while. But um, how many times has Town won against Norwich at Portman Road in 52 competitive games? There's been 52 games at Portman Road. How many times have Town won? Um, Obviously, not since 2009, which I'm sorry, guys. I had to bring up because we have to. I know because I was doing a bit of research earlier. I think Town still have the edge all time over Norwich. I think they've won one more game. All time than Ipswich than the Norwich have, but how many have they won at home? I'm not sure that's the case. I've got here randomly. I've got a, the first ever Kings of Anglia magazine Ooh. that we published. So I've been sorting through these from autumn 2016, and it says here, and the Derby score is Town 40, Norwich 39. Oh. And well, there would have been games since then, which was probably seen Norwich overtake. So the thing that I saw earlier definitely had Town forty three. There's Norwich a lot of weird 42. stats out there, like yeah. different websites. Shit. So I've got this from a good source. Okay. So I hope I'm right. If I'm wrong, blame that source. Um, but yeah. Anyway, how many, how you, have many times on, you, you have to get a bang on to win. Obviously, games at Portman Road. Let me look at the comments. Um, some close ones there, some really good ones. Once again, guys, you've got opportunity to the viewers, you've got opportunity to actually Google. Don't do that. That's naughty. It's very <laughs> naughty. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, tiebreaker time. Can he feed steal it from right. Stu? I've been optimistic. 
Oh, I've not been optimistic actually compared to Stu. Where is my camera? There we go. I've gone 30. 36. Oh, I hope when you're going to get bang on, Heath. I thought when you said you weren't being up that. It's 24. Uh, Only 24 say. games. Yeah. Nine draws, 19 defeats. So, pretty good. Uh, deflated now. So, still so you won. Um, yeah. Speech as we wrap up the strike. Um, thanks to everyone who's taken part. Um, obviously, you gambled, which you didn't want to gamble, but. It, it gambled what to do because he didn't get the bang on. Uh, I'd like to thank my family. I'd like to thank Mark Heath for giving me this opportunity. Um, I've got nothing else for you. <laughs> Thanks. I'd like to Thanks. thank Barry Cotter. Yeah, sadly, I don't have that with me right now. But uh, just just think of Barry Cotter's voice, his Irish voice, and he's just basically outroed the strike. And we go back to Heathy. Thank you, Ross. Thanks very much for that. So we, we come to an hour now, friends. We're going to start getting into the, the meat of the game. Um, and have we got some questions we could take, Ross, before we move on to chats around team selection and moving towards our predictions, etc.? I have to go back. Obviously, a lot of people have commented on the, the quiz, so there's a lot of uh, answers there. Someone said that um, my wife wants a Wednesday night jacket back, so if it's not, <laughs> I'll, I'll get that sorted with her. Good old Karen, I assume. I don't know. Um, but I know there was one question about, obviously, the, the Harry Clark and uh, Brandon Williams debate. I'm sure we'll get onto that later. Mm. Um, I know someone brought that up. But um, at the moment, yeah, let us know, you know, viewers. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Get, get your points. questions in as we start to talk more about the game now, focus on the game. Let's start there then, shall we, Stu? Shall we start talking about team selection for Ipswich Town? We heard a lot about the Norwich team there and what might happen from Sam. But in terms of town... And here's the question, Jason Joseph. Who starts, Williams or Clark? There's probably two, maybe two selection poses, is there? That's clearly the, the main one. And maybe something around Tuenzebe and, and, and Wolfenden. But shall we start with, with Williams or Clark, mate? Who, who do you think will start? Uh, I think this is a relatively easy Ipswich Town team to predict, despite the fact that there was five changes to freshen things up at Watford in midweek. I think this will revert to in general, has been sort of considered the, the strongest 11 throughout the promotion push and the start to this season. Right back is probably the biggest question mark there. And I think, um, as Andy says in, in the comments there, that it will be Harry Clark that gets the nod. If you'd gone back maybe a month or so, Brandon Williams looked to be the man in, in pole position. But um, Harry Clark has... Uh, after a sort of fairly indifferent start to the season, has hit really good form in the last few games. Mm. And in midweek, Ipswich were getting done down down Watford's left-hand side in that first half. Brandon Williams comes off at half-time. Harry Clark came on and uh, things things improved there. So allied with the fact that he's, he's an Ipswich boy as well and he's going to be chomping at the bits playing in this one, I think it will be Harry, Harry Clark at right back. Mm. You agree with that, Rossi? Yeah, to be fair... Both of them are going to be up for this. So either way, we're going to have a right back that is going to be maybe too hot-headed. So be careful, boys. Don't go too mad. We don't want you to get sent off. We don't want that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a position that is, you know, it's, it's all to play for really, isn't it? Because um, one week, one does really well, the other week, another week. So it's it's a it's competition, which is good to see in the squad. Um, but yeah, they've both got... Um, Irons in the fire for this game because they've got that, you know, Harry Clark, Itchridge boy, first ever mm. derby, Brandon Williams, you know, got the beef with Norwich. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm steering more to Clark, especially with his uh, performance at Watford. I thought he did really well and um, 
yeah, he's going to be well up for this. Do we know? And I haven't asked this, boys. I, I don't know. Do we, have we got any indication as to whether that was just a tactical thing on Tuesday night or whether there was, because clearly Williams has had a few injury issues as well, hasn't he? Um, wasn't asked post-match, actually. So we're, we're going to be speaking to Kieran McKenna in his uh, pre-match press conference tomorrow afternoon. Uh, we'll, we'll find out a bit more on that. But I would imagine that the fact that it happened at half-time and the way the game was panning out, it, it was a tactical one. But we'll confirm that tomorrow. Okay, elsewhere in the team then, Stewie, are there any other debates? I mean, I mentioned there Wolfenden and, and, and Axel. Um, we've got an A there, says Hutchinson for Broadhead. That would be a that would be a, a shock. Um, anything else um, you can see in terms of a conversation around around people starting, Stewie? No, I think there'll come a time when... To, how are we saying this? Tuanzebi. Tuanzebi. I can't remember what Glenn said earlier on. He's still in the background there. Um I don't think Axel, I'm going to call him Axel, I don't think Axel will start for this one. There'll come a time, I think, where he'll get in and stay in, probably around the time that Cameron Burgess goes off for the Asian Cup in the new year. But I think they'll still tread carefully a little bit with him wrapping up in cotton wool because they need him for that period in the in the new year. I think Wolfie will, will come back in for this one. I think Axel was a, probably a horses for courses selection at Watford because they're very powerful and athletic in attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as I say, I think it'll be Wolfenden and Burgess, the two centre-halves. Davis nailed on left-back. Morsi and Luongo nailed on central midfielders. Um, as tough as it will be on Amari Hutchinson, who has never let them down whenever he started, uh, I, I think Wes Burns has to start on, on the right wing. Um, Chaplin, Broadhead and uh, George Hurst up front. Um, and then Amari to be a potential weapon off the bench, as always. We know a bulk of Ipswich's goals have come from men off the bench, so who knows? Maybe a, a hero could be could be stepping off the bench. It's almost as if you knew my next question, Stewie. We, we have Derby Day heroes, don't we? Alex Mathy, Danny Haynes, Brian Gunn. Um, who 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 do you who do you think might emerge as the Derby Day hero? If, as all the the stats and the form and the table suggest, Ipswich Town do win this game. Who do you think we'll be talking about after it as the kind of new canary crusher? We'll, we'll come up with something new and better, but the, the kind of hero, if you like. Do you know what? The, the great thing is, is that you would be really, obviously you're going to be really pleased, whoever it is, who's the hero. But I think there's so many reasons to root for so many of these players mm. in this team. We've come to to know and love them over such a prolonged period of time. If it's, Wolfenden or Clark as Ipswich boys would would be incredible. I don't know if Harry Clark could <laughs> hold his emotions if he were to score in this one. You saw the way he reacted with the goal against Blackburn. Um, I think he might internally combust if he were to score in, in this match. But, um, <laughs> you know, Chaplin, Burns would be really popular goal scorers. Um, Nathan Broadhead seems to be the man for, for big occasions and big moments, especially at Portman Road. So I couldn't rule that out. Um, Sam Morsi, Captain Fantastic, if he could repeat his scenes from, from Tuesday night. Um, I, I think if you polled Ipswich fans, they, they'd all come up with, with lots of different players. But I'm seeing in the comments here lots of lots of Wolfenden and Clark shouts as Ipswich boys. There was a big shout there from Harvey, Ross. Can you just flash that up again? Our, our Sweet Wealth Prince, uh, friend of the show. Harvey says, hot take, Cameron Burgess header from a Leaf Davis corner. Quar. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, Jason Joseph, Clark, 100% to score the winner. Imagine the fist pump we're going to get from Harry Clark if Town 
if and when Tam win this game, it's going to, he's going to really give it some. He's going to out for three out. months with a dislocated shoulder, <laughs> <laughs> snaps his elbow ligaments. Yeah, Rossi, um, what are you saying then, hero wise? She said the entire team, um, which is more of a, a Ross Hall's answer, if you don't mind me saying. Apologies. <laughs> Who do you think that might just just stand out above all others, Rossi? Another another one here on the hero debate. Are there any you think we're maybe not talking about? And here I'm thinking maybe. Well, some... Sorry, just to jump in. I know I've yeah. covered the whole team, but I, I didn't know if the question was who could be and who do I think will be. If you put me on the spot to name one, and he's probably mm. flown under the radar a bit in this debate, is I think it would Nathan Broadhead. Because yeah. I think this is the sort of game where he's going to, that little inside left pockets of space is the sort of player that can hurt Norwich. And he just seems, look at the way he celebrates goals when Ipswich score, even when it's him who doesn't score. I think he's the sort of guy that... Um, you know, as I said, there he produces big moments, and so many of his big moments have come in front of the Ipswich fans. So he's the one. I, if you pushed me, I think he might he might be the one. Lock it in, Nathan Broadhead, Derby Day hero. We'll have to come up with uh, some sort of moniker for him, if indeed that that turns out to be the case. Rossi, your thoughts on on a potential legend in the making on Saturday? Yeah, obviously, as the Ipswich boys, but I think that's a bit boring answering it. Everyone's going to say that. Um, obviously, it'd be great if one of them does score the winner. Uh, but then does that mean we go really deep into the game where they've like, we need to find that late winner? You know, I don't know if I want that. I want us to be, you know, all sorted, done and dusted on the hour mark. Um, do you know what? You know, he's already a hero in a lot of town fans' minds, but Connor Chaplin, I think this game mm. is made for him. I think he's going to be well up for this and I think he's going to find some space and he's going to score a trademark Connor Chaplin goal. Maybe that's my early prediction for first goal score. I think he's going to score first. And he may score a brace because why not? So um, I think Connor Chaplin's going to be the boy uh, to do it. Um, but I think, as Stu said, I think the whole team are just going to hopefully be heroes on a day to, to finally beat them up the road. James, I just saw right? this. Yeah, sorry. Carry on, mate. I just saw this pop up from James, which I think probably sums up my feelings. The reason I was sort of scrambling to pick a single mm. hero is he's saying, I don't see there being a winner as such confident there'll be more than one goal between the two sides and and the way Ipswich share their goals out you know you're hopeful that that there isn't just a a man a moment that sort of uh decides this game and that Ipswich maybe can share a few goals around Mm. Andy Crackers Cracknell they're saying I think Mass will be a massive player in the centre of the park will be the hero win the battle in the midfield and keep a calm head um how about left field choice, boys? How about someone like Amari Hutchinson? The fearlessness of youth, the razzle-dazzle when he comes off the bench, maybe in a scenario where Town are looking for a winner. Um, he's a sort of player who could do that, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah, he's um, he's gone to gone to Southampton and you sort of think, well, that's a big occasion for him to go and get his... Was that his first start for Ipswich? Southampton away and the way he dealt with being manhandled after the alleged dive and, and the way he dealt with the crowd after that and uh, he's just looked so mature and improved game by game and uh yeah a backflip celebration in a derby would be uh would be something to behold oh, wouldn't it? that, that, that would, would be, be a, 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 an image that would that will live for a long time i want that for the front of the verdict monday backflip celebration lovely um how do you think boys before we, we move on to predictions stewie how, how do you see this game actually playing out um, and talk to me a little bit about the Kieran McKenna factor as well, because on paper, and the Norwich boys said this, Ipswich score goals for fun at home. They also concede goals. Um, Norwich concede a hell of a lot of goals away from home, but they also score 
a lot of goals away from home. Um, so how do you see this one playing out, Stu? Do you, do you, can you see Norwich coming to try and stifle and frustrate? Will they, they surely won't try and go toe-to-toe with town. Um, and the McKenna factor is a big one in terms of his bespoke plan for every game, isn't it? Yeah, well, from what Sam was telling us at the very start, um, from a Norwich perspective, is that it's gone increasingly pragmatic under David Wagner and they've gone back to yeah. basics and um, it's not been very fun to watch. So that sounds like they'll probably come and, and be fairly defence-minded and, um, and and try and get Ipswich to, to break them down, which you know, the good thing is Ipswich, I think, prefer it when teams go toe-to-toe and give them space in an end-to-end game, but they have shown that they, they've got ways of of breaking through. They, they've certainly had a lot of practice of sort of facing low blocks in, in League One and have become more adept, adept at, at facing that. So I think, you know, in, in general terms, that's the sort of game that it will be. Norwich sort of being fairly compact and deep and trying to hit Ipswich on the counter-attack. But if you look at the, the score lines throughout the season, everything does point to goals in this game, doesn't it? Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that, Rossi? Uh, the McKenna factor going into this game, the, the, the calm head, while all the emotion and the, you know, the, the pressure and the noise and the atmosphere kind of going on around him. Yeah. Obviously the last time we had the derby, we had a, a former Norwich manager in the dugout, um, Mr. Paul Lambert, obviously. He did not keep his head. <laughs> no, he didn't. He did not. Um, and that was a big factor going into that, that game at Carrow Road. Obviously before that we had Paul Hurst, who was, you know, a, you know, a new young manager coming into the dugout, his first derby. And of course, before that we had Mick McCarthy, who, you know, probably, I don't know. I don't know if he liked derbies or not, Mick McCarthy. Stu, Jack, what was he? I don't think he did read. I don't think he really cared. There, there was always a bit of a withering reference to, well, it's not it's not Celtic Rangers. And, you know, uh, I'm not sure if he kind of put the East Anglian derby on the same pedestal as as the, the rest of us in, in this part of the world. Um, obviously, when you talk about Mick and, and the derby, you instantly <laughs> think of the uh, Fox Truck. Oscar reference uh, he always used with the, the yeah the up yours gesture towards the away fans that day um, at Carrow Road. A lot's gone on in these fixtures, isn't it? When you talk about Lambert there as well. Oh, but man, in in, a, in reference to the the question, if Ipswich have got if any manager is going to get his players playing the game and not the occasion, it's mm. Kieran McKenna. I think it's been quite telling that it's been a host of sort of. Norwich players taking to social media in the, in the last 24 hours talking about bring on the derby and talking in quite emotional terms and and we haven't seen any of that I don't think from Ipswich players and I think mm. that will be well thought out I think you know it will be that sort of fairly boring but um important mantra of it's just another game it's just another three points um they'll have prepared like they do for any other game you know McKenna post-match on Tuesday night when it was brought up about, you know, finally we can talk about Norwich now, was just gave his very stock answer about we'll respect their threats, but it's all about us and we'll prepare as we usually do. And and I genuinely believe him in, in that respect. So um, I think the McKenna sort of uh, measured calm factor is a big one going into this. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, Stu. As you say, we've seen, we've seen even, even Wagner say, essentially, yeah, Town have done well, but that counts for nothing. Um, and we've seen Jonathan Rowe using some industrial language on Twitter today, haven't we? Time for the effing derby. Uh, and as you say, Stu, there's been none of that sort of chat 
coming out of the Ipswich Town side of things. Right then, friends, we're going to start now to move towards our predictions. So if you want to leather some into the comments, I saw one from Maddie Ross, which I think is worth highlighting again. Dane Scarlett will come on in the 75th minute and score to make it 3-2 Town. You can hold me to that, says Maddie Reader. That would be that would be dramatic. Um, we've got we have actually got some before we get to our predictions, friends. We've got a couple of special prediction videos. Um, and first of all, we are we are blessed. We, we've got Ed Sheeran as a clearly a, a high high level celebrity Ipswich Town fan. We've got the likes of Fabio Wardley, um, upcoming rising heavyweight, and we've also friends got Arnold Allen, who is a, a big star in the world of UFC. Um, currently training in camp in Montreal for a big fight January 20th. Um, Christmas is cancelled for Arnie. Um, he told me he's getting up to watch the game. I think they're five hours behind. So he'll be he'll be up early on Saturday morning to watch it from Canada. He sent us a little prediction, Rossi. Do you want to play that in, see what Arnie makes of it all? What's happening, guys? It's the Ipswich Norwich derby this weekend. I think Ipswich are going to get the win. I think it's going to be a bit of a back and forth. and a 3-2 for Ipswich. I think Connor Chaplin's going to get some goals. Uh, good luck to the boys. Go out and smash it. And uh, yeah, that, this is the season. We're going to get promoted. It's, it's looking great. I wish I could be there. I'm in the middle of camp. And uh, that's why I look like shit. <laughs> Arnie sporting the black eye there. If you're not watching the, uh, the video, you're listening back to the recording. Uh, he fights January 20th. He's gone early though, boys. He's gone with the promotion word, the P word. He's saying 3-2 to town. Mr. Hoobs is saying town 4-1. We also have Chris Taggart 3 0 Hurst Brace. I like the sound of these boys. We also have the thoughts of a an absent king, Rossi. Um, AJ has sent us a little video message, which has definite vibes of um, someone picking up an award at, at the Brit Awards from the other side of the country. Hi, guys, and hello, town fans watching along as well. Really sorry I can't be there tonight, um, but really, really excited for this one. My first derby covering the club. Been to a few before. Um, obviously, been a while since town have won one. I'm not going to tell Mock how old I was when that happened. Don't want him getting angry like he can sometimes do when we talk about that. Um, but this is as good a chance as any. I'm going to lock in my prediction. 3-1 Ipswich, Connor Chaplin score first, because he's really going to be up for this one, I think. So looking forward to it, and I'll see you guys there on Saturday. Of course, press conferences tomorrow as well. So a lot to look forward to. 3-1 Chaplin, says AJ. Sammy Wills, 4-0 four t- four town. Chaplin, double Hurston Morsey in for- front of the North Stand. These are all very optimistic, winning, big wins. 2-0 town, says Rob Hughes. Goal in each half. 5-1, Jason Joseph says. Hurst hat-trick. I really hope there's a scoreline like that because I'm desperate to use Demolition Derby 2 as a headline. Uh, on the front of the verdict come come Monday. Um, boys, shall we start to move towards predictions? AJ, I think, is AJ still top of the prediction league, Rossi? Yeah, by two points. So I got the, um, I didn't get the maximum, but I got four points for the Watford prediction, right? So um, I think on 29 points, he's on 31. You boys are somewhere. We're so far below. I mean, AJ said a couple of weeks ago, it's starting to become a, a league of two halves and, and not in a good way for us, Stewie. Um Rob, Rob Stevens there, 3-1 town, Wolfie header first. Rossi, you're next in the hierarchy then. I want you to not only offer a prediction, but also I want you to show your full thinking, please. And don't just say, which you often use as a justification, because why not? Uh, Stu, what are you going for, mate? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, 
I've got I've gone for this sounds boring, but I think it's just get it done, boys. I just want us to win. Like you know, two nil is what I want to go for. And as someone mentioned, you know, maybe goals in each half, that would be nice. I think Connor Chaplin to score a brace because why not? Um he's gonna be- <laughs> You did uh, use it. Amazing. Sorry, sorry. Um, but I think 2-0, I just, I just think that's a, a perfect way to win the derby. You know, clean sheet, get the job done. It may not sound exciting. You know, two goals are still, you know, two goals at Bourne Road. Obviously, there's been a lot of goals scored at home this year. Um, so that's why, you know, people are predicting three twos maybe and, you know, maybe three ones and stuff. That's what AJ's predicted. But I'll be happy with a 2-0 scoreline. Vaz to get a clean sheet. And um, we'll be all happy. And there's no rush on the deadline with the report. So, you know, the report can just be done and dusted and then it's there and everyone can enjoy the the, the, the first win since 2009. Hmm. OK, so we've got 3-1 Chaplin, 2-0 Chaplin. Stewie, how are you feeling about this, old friend? You're toiling at the bottom of the table like myself. <laughs> um, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, like two drunks just, <laughs> just slap windmilling yeah. at each other outside the kebab shop at three in the morning. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about this. And uh, uh, I know there's the whole cliche about form go- can go out the window for the derby. Does it, though? Like I-, I know that you can find some odd references here and there for 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 that happening but in general like how many times have Everton beaten Liverpool over the last 20 years when it was when Norwich were the firm favourites going into these games they that tended to show over the course of it so yeah taking all the emotion out of it and the fact that I've said I think McKenna is someone that will play the game and not the occasion I do really fancy Ipswich going into this and they score goals at home um so with that in mind, I'm, I'm going to go for 4-2 Ipswich and I'm going to go for four different goal scorers as well. You naughty a boy. Bonus prediction. Who's going who's gonna to score first though, did you say? I'll go with Nathan Broadhead. Broadhead. And do you, know thought... what would be, do you know what a lovely goal scorer would be that I just thought about? Caden Jackson, the man, yeah. the, the only man that was involved probably in the, the last time Ipswich played Norwich in that relegation season. I don't think there'll be anyone else, is there? Janoi Danassian, who's, who's not not on the scene at the moment. So Caden, Caden Jackson, that would sort of complete his sort of uh, his his arc, wouldn't it? Stepping off the bench just to just to round things off. That would be lovely. And I've seen some big score predictions, by the way, scrolling through while we've been talking. I particularly enjoyed, I think it was Ian Wallbank who said 17-1 with, uh, <laughs> with Hladke scoring a penner. Um, just to, there we go, Vaz scoring a penalty at 16-1. I'll be up for that, Ian. That'd be, that'd be quite nice. The... Uh, I want, yeah. Basically, what I want is, you know, the um, Rocky Four, where where Lou Gossett Jr. is uh, is is the second for Apollo Creed, as he's getting hammered into an early grave by uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name now. Ivan Drago, and he's got he's got the towel and he's screaming at the ref, "Stop the damn fight!" That's what I want. That sort of feeling on Saturday at Portman Road, and Town are just absolutely schooling Norwich, and to use an Andy Warren term. They're stepping on their throat, which I get the feeling that they might do this weekend. Uh, in terms of prediction, friends, I've been going back and forth between being wildly optimistic and being slightly more, um, I don't want to say negative. My, reserve. My, reserve, yeah. My, my trade-off is this. I think Town are going to win, and I think they're going to win by quite a big margin. But I almost don't want to say it 
that's how I felt. Yeah, because that then a leaves me out there to be shot at if that doesn't happen, and b I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it because it's not been. We haven't won for fourteen years. Uh, jinxes don't happen under Kieran McKenna. International break after international breaks, uh, playing on Sky. The curses are gone now. This is just another one to sweep aside, Mark. Okay, bollocks. Right, I'm going for it. I'm going to yes. say Ipswich Town five, Norwich City two. Ooh. Right. I think. I think you have to look at the stats again. You go back to the stats. Take emotion out of it. Norwich concede a lot of goals. They also score goals on the road. We know Town score goals at home. And we know they also concede goals at home. So sense suggests that there's going to be quite a lot of goals in this game. But I just think Ipswich Town are going to be too much for Norwich City. Listen to the Pinkin boys talking about it earlier. They have not fared well against the better sides in this division. Um, go on, Stu. Even though they beat Sheffield Wednesday, was it 3-1 in the end on last night? Um mm. They conceded 21 shots on goal against mm. Sheffield Wednesday in midweek. Um, yeah, regular listeners will know that I'm not a massive fan of, of XG and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, Alex is right. Uh, our colleague Alex is right. It can show you some underlying trends and they, they concede chances, Norwich. Um, my only slight thing that downgrades this idea of a goal fest is what Sam told us at the very start, that they are... I think maybe gone back to basics and they, they might take a more negative sort of damage damage limitation approach, which may limit it being the sort of goal fest that we're perhaps all, all thinking it, it might be. But we'll see. 5-2, my friend. That's a, that's a big shout. I didn't think anyone would uh, top the 4-2. I just, I just feel I've got the feeling, boys. Every, all the feeling around the club, clearly incredible. I mean, and here's another stat going to this game you'll like. It's which town as it stands on Thursday, December the 14th, are only 11 points off the total point total that Norwich achieved last season. That's mental. That's insane. And again, shows a kind of, perhaps, you have to say, a a golfing class. Um, And I just feel with with everything around this game, the 14 years, Kieran McKenna, calm, sensible, logical, got a plan for everything. The players are going to be absolutely up for it like you would not believe the the coach greeting outside the the game there's going to be that kind of special feeling around it and i i, I just get the sense that if, if town and they are going to fly out the traps if they can get an early goal it could it could end up being a beautiful beautiful day at portman road for all of us um and what a way that would be to, to end the curse so i hope i haven't jinxed it by going big um, we're all saying we're all saying obviously town wins and just to recap AJ three one Chaplin that's probably the one you take the most you make them pay the most attention to because he's top of the table. What's that? Sean O'Halloran five two as odds of sixty six to one. Slap a tenner on that. Pay off all my Christmas presents. That'd be lovely. Um, Rossi's going two nil Chaplin. So those those two are the maybe the guides because they've been getting it right. Four two Broadhead says Stu and I've gone five two and I'm going to say Chaplin because Chaplin's on one of those rich scoring runs which he seems to go on and also he's going to be absolutely desperate to play well right then friends we're coming now to the end of the show so we've talked about the game we've heard from our our friends over in Norwich we've heard from the voice of Ipswich Town Ben Wood I really enjoyed that there's one more person though Rossi I want us to hear from before we take our leave today and it's a man who has written his name in Ipswich Town folklore he's a man who's been both a player and manager at Ipswich Town and he's a man that you tracked down for a very special podcast earlier this week. Um, he's not someone we've spoken to since he left for reasons um, 
tied up in the paper, not us, but uh, there was there were some issues there. But you were the man who finally tracked him down and convinced him to talk to us. And you, you got a brilliant interview out of him, mate. I really enjoyed it. Um, and obviously you spoke to him about the derby. That that video is, is available to watch if you're a subscriber. Go and watch that now. Um, but you asked him, didn't you, Ross? Set it up for us then, this video, because you asked him uh, about the derby, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, as for most of this live, I've been nodding my head because I've been, you know, agreeing with everyone and been enjoying it. And just like Jim and Jill in interview, I just nod my head. But um, I said he's very similar to Sam Morsey back in the day. You know, you know, Jim was the one who just wanted the ball, a leader on the pitch, and um, obviously Jim got a lot of yellow cards and stuff like that. Um, and of course, Morsey is going to be leading this team out. And um, I just wanted to ask Jim, you know some advice, you know, for the to, to town players, you know, like Harry Clark, like Luke Walkerverden, who are going to be pumped up for this. And um, yeah, Jim's got a message to the players and also just the, the fans to, to hear from him as well. So uh, over to you, Jim. Control your emotions. Play with real focus and concentration. What happens is you can get caught up in the occasion. You can get caught up in the emotion of the supporters. But you have to really detect yourself from that you have to really focus on your jobs your roles and responsibilities and believe you know trust trust your instincts in games like that trust your beliefs uh play with freedom lots of these games you get stuck in too much pressure but you have to throw the shackles off and you have to be focused every second of every minute of the game but just play with confidence in the confidence that they've shown and if they do that i'm sure they'll come out on top there's no question that they've done that and proved that through the course of this season so my advice to them is yes control obviously it's emotion but control your emotions play with that focus and concentration and and again trust the manager trust the manager trust his tactics and believe in yourself Lovely stuff from Jim. He talks about controlling his emotions or your emotions. And Stewie, by way of throwing to, to future content around the derby, we've already mentioned him on this show, a man who, who didn't control his emotions <laughs> and a derby. Paul Lambert, another guy we've not speaking to, spoken to since he left. Slightly awkward again in that we did actually call for him to be sacked. Um, but you, you caught up with him after, I don't know how many years has it been? I think he's still under contract at Ipswich Town, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, his contract, the new contract, the surprise contract he got on New Year's Day, wasn't it? Ran to, runs till 2025. I'm sure there was a, a decent payoff that's uh, meant that's not the case now. But um, yes, I've managed to catch up with Paul Lambert. So Ross has spoken to the last manager that masterminded an Ipswich win against Norwich. And I've spoken to the last Ipswich manager in charge of an East Anglian derby. Um was a good chance to catch up with Paul. What's he been up to over the last coming up for three years since he left at the Ipswich job? So found out what he's been up to. Uh, got some reflections on his on his time in charge of Ipswich, and I've spoken to him about some East Anglian derby memories, uh, including that touchline fracas at Port at Carrow Road. So um, that will be on our website at six a.m. tomorrow morning. Give that a read. A surprising revelation from Mr. Lambert as well, which I, I enjoyed um, around that that uh, fracas on the touchline. Right then, friends, on my on my plan, I've got our final thoughts. Um, Rossi, are there any, any more comments we can flash up while we start to wrap up this show? Um, Sue, have you got any final thoughts you want to you wanna show? The big porker, says Rob Hughes, afraid he uh, is way out of our price range now, Rob, um, for, for a single show appearance. Astronomical, Warwick Long is over in Australia. Good lad, Warwick. 
great show team love your work thank you Warwick much appreciated um final thoughts Stewie as we head into this potentially um historic given the nature of the the domination of Norwich and the history of the rivalry game at, at Portman Road on on Saturday can't wait can't wait and I'm going to get there nice and early and I want to be out there for that uh, greeting of the team coach because I still think that's my favourite memory of of the last 12 months. All these fantastic results and performances and everything, but that that moment building up to the Exeter game was just magic with the flags and Ipswich fans, young and old, um, soaking in what was what was just such a a moment in time with the blue flares and and everything. So, if they can match that, which I think the players have said that they they want and they're looking forward to, I think that you know that could really play its part in in the the day and the occasion. So, um, yeah, bring it on. Mister Hoops says, "Great live KOA, do it more often. Like it. We like to keep these to special moments. We want, it, as I said before, want to keep it as like an event sort of vibe. So we'll, we'll do these when there's something special, I think, going on, and it doesn't get more much more special than this game, does it? Jack Lennon, sensational from KOA, as always from Brisbane, Australia. Thank you for the epic coverage. Good on you, Jack, and thank you, Wendy. Lovely way to spend an evening, Rossi. Give me, give me your final thoughts. Just bloody win, please, town. Just win. <laughs> um, it's been yeah, fourteen years in the making. Um, there's going to be some young town fans who have never seen town win a derby. You know, we've got so many new generations who have, you know, got seen tickets now because they they've got a team to be proud of. They've got players to you know to look up to now and idolise. They've got a manager now that you know is just so passionate and so you know calm and everything. Um, and yeah, just do it. You know, if, if there's any players listening, just do it for the fans because it's it's just such an important you know to to win a derby, and because it's been so long, um, I can't wait for it. Um, it's gonna be my like proper official derby covering it for for us. I think I was there for the Norwich game, you know, at Carrow Road. I was in the press box with the boys, but I was still very much you know young Roscoe, still like very like hello, I'm here. Now I'm I'm going to be well up for it, and you know, got the great Cowie Army who who do game day and do some other great stuff. Um, it's just going to be a great occasion, and um, just enjoy it, everyone. And uh, hopefully, after nine minutes of football, we can celebrate a win, and um, you know, be top of the league if we win as well, boys. Again, because Leicester I think play Monday, so uh, yeah, bring it on, and uh, yeah, that coach rival is going to be insane again, I'm sure. Uh, hope that don't bite us in the butt though. If we if we lose and uh, they'll go, oh, you've done all that and, and you lost. But uh, no, it's going to be a great day and uh, bring it on. And please don't get put Sam Morsi as well. I'll just throw that one into the mix as well. We're talking yes. about players controlling their emotions and staying disciplined. We'd quite like you available for for Leeds away and Leicester if possible. Yeah, I've said this before on the podcast. To be honest, of those games, if you misses Leicester. That's the one I'm not really bothered about because that's the one that, in the grand scheme of things, means the least for for Town's promotion chances this season. It doesn't really matter if they don't finish top of the table as long as they're in that top two, that gap to third. Right then, friends, all that's left then for me to say is thank you very much for joining us. A reminder, this is uh, brought to you in association with Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery uh, on all your various things that you can trim your body, various areas of your body with. Um, Hamish Mitchell listening from Los Angeles and about to go to the airport to fly over to see this game. 
Thanks so much for your wonderful coverage every week. I never miss your pods. Please win this Saturday. Safe travels, Hamish. That's a that's a lovely message. Uh, a reminder, friends, obviously, that there is still one more day before the game and there's a press conference tomorrow and we'll be bringing you a final pod of the week after that press conference. After all the talking is done, we'll bring you a final press conference just to wrap up and give you the final info, our final thoughts. And also remember, friends, <clears throat> that at the moment, Christmas offer, if you want all this excellent content, and this is free, we're giving this to you free as a Christmas present, but our Christmas offer to you is £3 for three months of Ipswich Town coverage, which you can get right the way through the month. And obviously that takes you considerably into, into the rest of town season. Hopefully you find something of value in that offer. Right then, friends, <clears throat> any final any final thoughts? Because I want to put a cap on this. I would love it if we beat them. <laughs> Just go full Kevin Keegan to finish it off. Rossi? I think that's the perfect way to end it, mate. Um, yeah, just just enjoy everyone and uh, bring it on. Okay, right then, friends. As we end the show then, I invite you all, I just want you to take a moment to just sit there and appreciate how far we've come. Maybe close your eyes, friends. Just just enjoy it. What can you... What can you hear? What can you feel? That's your heart beating, friends. That's what you want. <laughs> the feeling of nerves jangling in your gut. You need those. They're important. The blood, the electricity pumping through your veins. The hair standing up on the back of your neck. 14 years, friends. 14 years we've waited for this. All we've ever asked for is an opportunity. And we're going to get that on Saturday. So let me ask you, friends, as we end this show, where would you rather be than right here, right now? We'll see you at Portman Road.